What does it take to create something that never existed before? What does it take to challenge the status quo? What does it take to change the world? This is the Swell Podcast. We're passionate about the seed of an idea and how it swells into a movement. Take a journey with us as we seek the answers to those three questions through the stories of thought leaders, world builders, game changers, disruptors, and other pleasantly rebellious humans who've ventured out into the unknown on a personal journey to do something novel, innovative, creative, or disruptive. In today's episode, we chat with artist Gilbert Lee. Previously, Gil was the head of content at Pluralsight and now the founder of a new art and clothing studio called Microwave. We chat with Gil about childhood, microwaves, and the starving artist, giving your full self to your art, and how his irreverent and funny clothing designs are created to instill a sense of curiosity. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast, sign up to our newsletter at theswellpod.com, and get in on the conversation through all of the major socials at The Swell Pod. Our first season is made in partnership with Kiln. Kiln provides flex office space solutions for teams and individuals. Their all-inclusive set of amenities helps startups, creatives, and entrepreneurs alike get work done. Learn more about Kiln at kiln.co. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. Hey, Gil. Welcome to the Swell Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> it's an honor. Thanks for joining us. It's, uh, you know, we, um, we've known each other for a while. Yep. Uh, and um, I think the first time I met you, we, uh, I spent some time where you were working as a, maybe it was head of experience. Head of product. Head of product. Yep. Uh, and you were good enough to allow me to spend, I think, a whole week watching <laughs> you <laughs> and observing you uh. Uh, and learning from you. Uh, and I was pretty fascinated at the time to just learn about uh, how you understood the, um, the needs and, and the emotions of your customers at the time. Yeah. And that was a, a, a plural site, wasn't it? Yep. I think this was in the Farmington office. Mm-hmm. We were in this kind of uh, like an auditorium like this. And we crammed like 30 desks. And I think we were all like sitting against like a glass behind us. And I think that's where we were working initially. Anyway, that was fun. Yeah, That was no, a long time ago. It was. It was. And uh, we'll get maybe get into it in the, in the podcast of like yeah. your journey because it's uh, – Maybe not stereotypical of where you're, where what you're doing now. Yeah. We're super curious to know, of course, about about that journey. Um, but can you tell us like what you are doing right now and how yeah. maybe how you got there as well? That's great. So I spent my you know twenty year career so far in tech, and um, just that took a toll. And um, my wife and I have been talking about taking a break for years now, and you know, we had this plan of taking a break this uh, this summer and taking our kids on a trip around the world. Just, you know, get on a plane and go east until we kind of get back home. Um, and then COVID hit and I didn't want to leave my team super early and decided to stay a little bit longer. But eventually I took that break and the idea was to kind of just really decompress and just leave everything and not worry about what's next. And obviously I've been lucky to take a break for a few months. Um, and that led to just like kind of going back to this um, passion I had about uh, art. You know, I grew up with art. Uh, 
I was a black sheep in my family. I had uh, two accountant parents and an accountant brother. And here I was just like this artist in, in the family. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a great uh, opportunity for me to, you know, um, give myself that chance again. Uh, and that turned into, you know, my passion for clothing and just, you know, painting again. And so uh, I wanted to just give it a try and just see how, you know, far I can take it. So I started Microwave. Uh, just I opened it like a week or so ago. Uh, but I've been working on it for the last few months, just kind of here and there, and I kind of made it serious. So here I am. Wow. Where did you come up with the name yeah, Microwave? We, 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 we've, been, we've been debating this, yeah. Josh and I. He's got a pretty good idea of what he... How, oh, what, I want to hear it. I want to hear what you have to say first. Well, yeah. I think, uh, you know, one, I was just trying to think about, like, what would be a great streetwear brand where um, no one's really kind of you know, made this name and I Googled something microwave and, um, and if you Google microwave, you find microwave ovens and things like that. But, um, really I, when I really think about it, you know, my journey, uh, uh, just growing up in a third world country and then coming here to the U S you know, I always kind of go back to that little apartment that we had in LA and, you know, I would come home from school and both of my parents were working and it was the microwave that kind of fed me. And I thought about all the starving artists, right? All of us starting, starving students uh, growing up, like the microwave is such a, like probably the most useful tool in our home growing up because when adults weren't around, we could feed ourselves. We could kind of take care of ourselves. And so I wanted to kind of go back to that, hey, this just, you know, simpler times, humble times. And, and that was a time when I was like, uh, you know, uh, skate culture and surf culture and all of those things. And so it's like this streetwear thing, it was all kind of coming back to, I wanted to go back to that time, to that art, to that life. Um, and, uh, you know, I missed it so much because I've been focusing on raising a family and, you know, having a career. That's great. What do, what, do you, what do you mean by um, go back to that time for that art? Like, what, is, what does that mean to you when you say that at that time, what was, what, I guess, what was that art for you? Yeah, you know, um, when I was 14, we uh, moved from the Philippines to um, straight to California. And uh, I was in a brand new place. I was, you know, you know this new culture and um, you know, I didn't have, we didn't have skateboards in the Philippines. Um, even though we were an island, we were still kind of far away from the, from the beach. We'd go there every summer or whatever, but, you know, I've kind of been immersed and I've just loved this kind of graffiti art. And, you know, I was always drawing, uh, you know, I bought a s skateboard, I think from like a garage sale or something like that. And I picked it because it's just this very artistic kind of looking skateboard. And I wanted to just kind of go back to that like feeling of like, that was the life that probably was the most difficult mm -hmm. in my life. But it also gave me a chance to just really learn about myself and 
like really kind of open up this new world. And um, I feel like right now I've been, again, like heads down in my career. And now I'm again in that point where I'm like opening up myself to this new world. And so, so it's kind of this is, you know, it's a very similar experience. Just one was 14 and now 30 years later, I'm 44, kind of being a kid again, doing the same stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Both quite scary. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, you know, I have a lot more to lose, I guess, at this age. And uh, so it is scary. You know, I, have, I still have kids that are growing up at home. But, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough uh, in my career that I could afford to take a break. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, that, that, the, that tech career hasn't, like, I haven't really closed the door on that. But I just felt like, hey, I don't want to go back to it too quickly because I worked hard to just get this moment to kind of, you know, be expressive again and, and be creative again and those kinds of things. But it is scary. It is scary. I think, uh, you know, as an artist, um, you have to give your full self, you know, in, in doing the thing. Like you guys are starting a company and starting a podcast and you're giving your full selves into it and you can't hide behind oh the customer wanted this that's why I built it you know as an artist as a painter and clothing designer like you know I, it has to come from my heart it has to come from me and that alone is scary because you just feel like you're being judged by people like, you know what are they gonna say about my art what are they gonna say about my clothing and, and that to me is probably, you know, scarier than any financial loss or, you know, whatever reputation I would lose. It's just that, like this delicate, these delicate feelings that we have <laughs> as humans, you just, you know, don't want to be broken down. You want to be accepted. You want to, and you want to grow. Uh, but in our, in our world today, um, you can't hide behind anything. You know, like artists in the past, they would just hole up in their studios for a few months and then show up in a gallery. Um, artists today, like, I have to show up every day. And I have to, you know, take people through that journey with me. And so a lot of the things that I'm doing on my social media is to really show people the studio, the work, the progress, just like all these things because... You know, you have to take them through that journey along with you um, so they can come back. I can come back to that time where like, oh, man, that was really terrible work or <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but anyway, I think uh, that's the world I live in right now. It's kind of like I love the idea of, you know, you have to just kind of, I guess, put your full authentic self out there. But if you were to try it any other way, it's almost impossible to face that criticism anyway. You know, it's like, yeah. I guess, you know, what's so interesting is that, you know, even just the name microwave has this strong association back to, you know, a really important time in your life. Right. Yep. And like, that's your true authentic self. And it's almost like, yeah, I mean, I do care what people think, but at the same time, this is, is as, as authentic as I can be. This is as, as core to who I am as I can be. So yeah. I'm just doing my best over here. Kind of yeah, thing. I, I, you know, that's the, that's the thing with, um, you know, just the name 
microwave, it like for everyone, every, you know, every household, uh, at least in America, <laughs> you know, has a microwave and you see that thing and you kind of forget that thing. And sometimes you hate that thing because you have to clean up that thing, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, man, the, the return on investment on that microwave is, you know, thousands, uh, you know, times more. And um, I, I go back to that time because I just feel that, you know, we forget how valuable the simple things are. And um, we forget how valuable art is mm. and creativity. I, I, I heard this thing where, you know, you don't care about art until you're heartbroken or you're, you're um, you know, in, you know, the deepest depths of your life. That's when music makes sense. That's when art makes sense. That's when uh, all these things that we don't always value in our lives or, you know, push aside. Uh, but when we are in our darkest moments, it's, it's a poem, it's a song, it's a piece of art. It's, you know, it's some memorabilia that we have of someone that kind of brings us back to life. And that's what I think I what kind of got me back into art again is is feeling feeling that raw authentic life that we have i i heard something similar to that with even with covid like i think i saw it on social media somebody posted you know remember right now while we're all in covid the thing that we're all turning to is artists you know we're turning to the we're turning to our films on netflix and we're you know, this was, the, I mean, this was early when everybody was watching like Tiger King and, you know, those shows. It's like we're, we're turning to the artists and we're, we're conversating about, about the art that we're taking in, the filmmakers, the, the music. And, you know, and it was, it's, it's so true, I think, to what you're saying, right? As a community, as, as a world, we're going through this really difficult time and continually we turn back to those artists to get us through and to help us understand it, I think, at the same time. But yeah. I think, I think many individuals feel that, but I think we've seen, you know, communities and organizations and countries feeling that, like turning somewhere different, a, like a different source. Mm. And so, so the things that were probably important to companies before are not important anymore. Mm. Uh, the things that were kind of gone because of COVID are important again, mm. you know? Um, and so... So I think, yeah, in a sense, like we're getting this big reset, uh, you know, on an individual level, but also just on a community or just an organizational level. And I think uh, it's funny. I, I saw this thing like, you know, what has led to uh, what's the largest factor that led to a digital transformation? <laughs> and it was like training and all these things, you know, uh, and then the last one is like COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has really forced us to rethink yeah. about a lot of these things that we were so used to mm -hmm. because, um, it, you know, all the things that we had the guardrails are kind of off and we have to kind of figure out this new world again. Interesting. Yeah. I do want to. So when I first heard microwave, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Tell me. So this. Well, hang on. I, 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 
Okay, well, I go, thought of is my, yeah. my, my microwave blew up about three weeks ago and I haven't got one. And it's frustrating <laughs> me every day. So this is a sore subject, but I just need to go and order one. But anyway, you give the inspirational well, one. No, but yours yours has more of that, that visceral feeling to it, right? Like this explosion of, of things inside it, right? Like, And I love what you mentioned, like having to clean it up because, yeah. you uh. know, that's, that's horrible. But no, what it made me think of is, and I, at the, you know, I heard about the name at the same time that I'm looking through your website and I'm looking at, you know, the work that's on your hoodies and, and I'm thinking like, you know, I'm relating, okay, so microwave to an oven and I'm, I'm seeing the Mona Lisa and I'm representing that as an oven, which is so interesting too, because then you start talking about you as a 14 year old self and, and this idea of kind of going back to this simple version, this simple mm-hmm. art. And I think about what you've done to the Mona Lisa, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and the, 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 the shape that you put on it with these big eyes. Yep. And it makes me feel like, you know, okay, if I compare the oven to a microwave, like what does that mean if you all of a sudden put what you put on the Mona Lisa, right? And I'm yeah. like, that's a microwave. Like that's, that's this explosion of emotion and, and new, new interpretation and new feeling, I guess. And, yeah. and it's, and yeah, I don't know. I think, I, you know, uh, art is a series of just accidents. You yeah. know, you're just kind of, because you're just invested in the feeling or the, a memory and, um, you know, one of the things that I was playing with um, was this, like, oh, I wanted to create this character that lived in the microwave. And so mm. it's just, like, this little, you know, zappy-looking thing that kind of just lived in the microwave that cooked your food and kind of thing. Yeah. So I was just like, oh, that's kind of <laughs> kind of cool. I wanted to, you know, explore that idea. And then, you know, I kind of go back to, you know, my love for art, and I started painting and I brought this, had this idea of like, well, if it's streetwear, it has to be irreverent. You know, what can I do with art that would be irreverent, but still make it funny, but, you know, make people be curious about it? Well, then I took that character and put it in, in front of these famous paintings and their faces. It's kind of, it makes you, makes you look, you know, twice and you're like, oh, what is that thing? Um, but that's really just to kind of create this curiosity because my love for art just when I'm traveling is like, I always go straight to the, like the museum, mm. you know? And so you'll see a lot of pictures of me in museums. You know, if I'm traveling, you know, I'll go do all my meetings and then I go to like the museum and spend hours there by myself or like I'll drag my colleagues. I'm like, hey, check out this painting. Let me tell you the story. Um, and so it's just kind of fun to really combine all these passions that I have and then share it with people like package it in a hoodie or package it in a painting, that kind of thing. So it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I love that connection. Um, George, do you have another question? Yeah, I'll go for it, yeah. I'm not sure if I've got a question, but I, I made, when I was looking through what you were doing, and you know, you were already obviously, just a reminder, you were working for a very successful software company, <laughs> right? Um, that went to IPO and, yep. and has continued to be successful, but you, you, you've left that in a quite an interesting year to leave, right? Not only is the world resetting itself, but then you also chose to also reset, go and do something else (laughs) and reset. Yeah. And it sounds like it's a bit of an experiment. Um, Just felt right to, to, to just explore some of the things that are important to you from years ago. And that are some of your passions, it wasn't, you know, and Oh, and also maybe it could be a business. Yep. Right. Um, that came as maybe a second thought. I don't know, yes. um, but I, but I but I love it. It makes me think of actually a few things from my childhood. So I'm gonna, sh- my a lot of my family are artists. Like you know, um, 
my grandmother in New York uh, selling paintings from from the 30s. She, she studied art in the 30s in Paris, and then she. Wow. I'll have to show you some of the pictures because yeah, some of them are, are very got similar strokes and kind of bright mm. colors and um so some of those uh is it the sleeping the, the the lady is it the dreaming lady yeah woman dreaming yeah, the, yeah. i don't know i just i it made me think of a few <laughs> pictures that i'd seen uh from years ago and then i i put them next to each other this morning <laughs> no, the similar strokes anyway oh, i was thinking awesome. of those types of things and the inspiration and I, even as a child we would um we would paint our ceilings uh, in our bedrooms. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, graffiti yeah. and then more intricate. And it's still there today, in fact. Uh, <laughs> no one's painted over it. Um, and I remember setting up, I, I honestly feel excited that you're doing the hoodies as well, not only for Nate, <laughs> who <laughs> yes. used to be your colleague, who yeah. I'm sure wears them now. Yeah. Um, but I used to actually design and paint on hoodies. Yeah. And this is a 16, 17, 18 year old. I love it. Um, uh, pictures of all sorts of different things. Uh, I remember putting Charles Barkley's face on one um, <laughs> with this, uh, what's that paint that um, you paint it on uh, with a paintbrush and then and then you iron behind it and it yes. kind of it, it expands, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I just remember doing that and selling quite a few over the years. I just, I'm jealous of you really, <laughs> that you're doing something that is just so creative, mm. base just creativity, but yeah. actually also trying to you know, maybe see if there's a, a really good uh, future in, in yeah. doing what you love. Uh, yeah. so different. I think uh, I, I have this tendency to just like, well, I want to figure out how to make money. You know, I think it's just like my business mind around it. Mm. And I grew up with parents that had businesses growing up, uh, but I had to stop myself, you know? So when I left um, Pluralsight, uh, I wanted to kind of take a break. And so, you know, like really like abandon everything and just like try to like calm my mind, figure out what I want to do and just really do this art. And then I started, you know, doing these designs and I was showing my friends and I'm like, and they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I can sell some of these things. And, you know, they like, hey, can you, can you, I just want to make clothes for my friends, kind of like what, what I wanted to do. Um, but that turned into, well, you know, people really liked it when I was doing my product discovery around it. And, uh, I was like, okay, I, I think I can, I can sell a little bit more. So I'm not selling a lot right now. It's still like limited Nowadays. edition, uh, just because it's like my first foray into it. I don't want to have thousands of hoodies in my garage, <laughs> my wife will kill me. <laughs> so you're in the early stages of what? Because, I mean, you have yeah. directed discovery that you might, I, yeah, I'm yeah. curious to know if yeah. you're using that and That's how you're using it. Yeah. Is it very intentional or is it just it's so natural to you to use that methodology? But, I mean, you just said one, right? You did yeah. some testing of a few family, friends. Yes. Um, yep. Do you use, like, Yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, the... For the listeners that are kind of new, you know, directed discovery is the the framework that we use in developing products in all these tech companies. And, uh, you know, the intention of that isn't just for tech. It's really like really understanding what people like about something or what problems I'm solving for them. Now, obviously, um, you know, clothing's been designed and developed for, for a long, long time. You know, the only twist that I have there is really like, well, I actually have to 
you know, show the world like my perspective mm -hmm. on this product. But I know that I still have to sell that product. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky balance. So it's this really tricky balance. Like seriously, like when I am in my studio at home, like I'm talking to myself like 20 times a day trying to like, will they like it? Will they not like it? Well, I don't want them to like it because <laughs> yeah. I want it to be yeah. me. Uh, and, and so it's just this balance that we have as creators around like, Things like the strong opinions or experiences or feelings that we have about life or about art or about, you know, a direction versus what the market wants. That's really like the, the, the struggle, you know, that we have as, as creators, you know, but, but, uh, you know, I came out all right. Like, I'm, I'm doing the thing. One step at a time, right. one day at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm so happy that you said what you just said because uh, you weren't around for the previous podcast that we just did earlier. But I asked the question about voice, about how do you how do you balance the line between between an artist's voice and and you you worded it so perfectly between what the market wants. And I could not find the right words to articulate that. <laughs> but you just you just basically answered that question. I think in such a great way. Like, and I guess it's just you know. How, how do you find that balance, I guess? And, and how do you weigh that? Do you, do you prioritize like if your voice and, and what is really ultimately more important to you? And that's kind of what pushes your artwork out versus, you know, what you really think people are going to actually go out and pay money for? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, at the beginning, um, you want to learn as much as you can about the market. But uh, if you listen to that too much, what they're going to tell you is, well, just make this sweatshirt or hoodie that I have, just make it cheaper mm. kind of thing. <laughs> because the market is trying to, you know, get to this efficiency, right? And so, like, at the very beginning, you're risking a lot more. I'm risking a lot more because I'm, I'm, I'm investing in this thing. I'm creating this. I'm giving myself, I'm exposing myself to the world. And I don't know if the they're going to react to it the way I want them to be. So you just have to be okay with that at the beginning. But I think for artists over time, people will understand who you are, what you do, what you're trying to create, what your opinion is, and they'll actually follow you mm -hmm. rather than you following the market. Mm -hmm. So, so at the beginning, there's a little bit of you following the market because you want to kind of just step into it and like, really understand like, well, what do people want? But I think eventually the great, you know, masters in the world were just creating art and people are like, yeah, I, I've grown up with, you know, this artist and I remember them doing this, but now they're here. I've kind of, you know, I'm following them now. You're being followed rather than the other way around at the beginning. Yeah. Do you think that that is all, is at all applicable to business? Like, if you think about Pluralsight or you think about Apple as a company, right? Like, yeah. yeah, I mean, you're building these products, you know, but at the same time, you know, is that mindset? Like, I'm weighing this idea of direct to discovery and delivering exactly what, 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 you know, maybe what the customer thinks they need or what ultimately you believe they need, right? And, yeah. and you're solving a big problem for them or, or, or providing a solution, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it applies in business, uh, yeah. definitely. Um, and But it's a tricky balance. Uh, what I mean by that is... Uh, I, I kind of think about this like a volcano-shaped kind of 
thing is that, you know, as you grow as a company, you know, the market loves you more mm. and loves you more. And when you get to a certain size and they start to hate you and they find all the faults <laughs> that you have and, and then, you know, it's kind of downhill for some of those companies because people have kind of moved away from it. Uh, I mean, think about some of the big social media websites. People loved them years ago and now people hate them. Like they can't stand it. They're always speaking out against it. You know, I, I think this is true for families. Like my hope is that we creators, you know, will keep that balance. Like mm-hmm. we'll keep that humility. Um, you know, we have these opinions, but, you know, we don't want to come off as like arrogant uh, because just the natural tendency of humans, they, they don't want that, you know, in their lives. Now, they think it's entertaining sometimes. You have very arrogant celebrities or whatever, like, yeah, you're speaking my mind. Well, yeah, on this topic, but if you keep doing that, you kind of get turned off by these people or by these companies because they've become arrogant kind of thing. So you really have to balance your art and humility, uh, your opinion, and other people's opinions. And so it's just like this delicate balance throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask another question, and it's kind of a little bit off topic from where, where, where you were. But, I mean, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, I, 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 I do like that idea of, you know, let's say, for instance, creative at the table in most situations, right? Like they're a voice of something. Yeah. And, you know, it made me think about... I'll, I'll take you back, I guess, to the product world, right? And it makes me think about, let's say, des- developing and designing a product or or, and a, or a journey or an, and an experience for for a customer, and and ultimately the measurement of success. Because I mean, what I'm really finding an interesting question of like, you know, as an artist, right? What is success to you? And 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 there is a huge emotional impact component to it, right? There's yep. an interpretation of the emotional impact, and mm-hmm. and. I think you can argue a lot of the same thing that, well, at least in my opinion, that emotional impact isn't represented in a lot of metrics and it's almost really difficult to represent that in the metrics, (laughs) but I think it's a lot more important than people realize, you know? And so I don't know, did you, as an artist at Pluralsight, while you were building out these incredible experiences, Mm -hmm. did that ever like come into your mind as, as far as like, yeah, like that, that emotional side of you as, as an artist and, and how are we finding a way to, to measure that, to articulate it, to, to demonstrate yeah. its value. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, the default for, for companies is to measure what they can measure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes those measurements are hard to, uh, um, I guess, calculate when it comes to what, what it creates because if I think about an individual, an employee in a company, where to get the best out of them is really to get the best emotions out of them. Mm. Uh, when somebody's excited about, you know, creating, you know, or coding or designing or something around like what they're building, like you 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 can you can't you can't measure that but you can you can see it and then you grow that to a team to an organization like you you can't measure that but everybody knows what it looks like mm. right um it just like 
for some reason when now it's like the the product that you're building and then you have customers are doing we forget that because um i don't know they just want to know churn or <laughs> all these other measurements yeah. around like well what am i going to tell wall street right yeah um but I always uh, wanted to understand, um, you know, what people are seeing about the product and uh, what people are seeing. You can capture that in our world, right, right in our product. Yeah. And so, uh, yes, I still have to kind of watch for those business metrics that are important for the business because that creates an overall value for the company and for shareholders and things like that. But as a product builder, um, what you really want to hear are the individual voices. And so, you know, we were always keen as a team, as a product team, to look at those uh, voices, to, to hear those voices every single day. And, you know, at, in the Pluralsight context, we had this Slack that was an inbound of all the feedback that's coming from from the customers really and um uh it was either from an nps score nps comment or a support email or all these things and you know it surprised our team that we the leaders us we were in there actually reading these comments and then we were forwarding or tagging other folks to kind of hey you know mm -hmm. We've, we've seen this, just kind of maybe reach out to this person and understand it. And so, you know, even as a team member, like that's how you can really get to what, uh, understand what uh, people are seeing about the product. You know, that's not measured, but it can be seen. And I think that's kind of the key to kind of get product people and, uh, well, companies in general to really listen to that voice because, how do you measure a voice? Yeah, you really can't. But you can you can hear it, and you, you know what that looks like, um, and, and so it's just this really, uh, it's an extra, it's 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 a muscle that most companies don't look for, mm. or or don't exercise because they just look at the business metrics and think that that's the only way to measure things. There's different ways to measure things. Yeah, that's I like that. So. So important. The, I mean, difficult to measure a voice or feeling or impact of those two things. Yeah. Uh, how, how have you adapted that then to what you're doing now? What, what yeah. Like if you, even <laughs> what you're doing now, let's say fast forward, if you, if, assuming you mm -hmm. carry on focusing on this area for, yeah. for another, you know, for the next few years, what, what, how will you actually measure that? <laughs> That's a great Great thing. So, or do you even feel like you need to? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. with just me, like you know, it's only been I don't know, not even a week since I launched <laughs> and, and gotten out there. But um, you know, I delivered my first painting just a couple of days ago, and uh, sorry, I should say, you know, most of the sales right now are like friends and family, yep. you know, people who know me, and I expected that, uh, and I'm grateful for it. Um, uh, and one of these friends, you know, bought this painting. Uh, I didn't expect her to buy it, to be honest. But she said, hey, when you, you know, before you, you, you made this announcement, before you open it up, I saw that painting. And I was like, I hope he made three copies of it because I want one. 
And then I, you open up the website and there's like one of one. And she's like, I immediately just, just bought it because it spoke to me. And so I deliver this painting to her, you know, not knowing the story. And then she just like poured out like all this, like, oh, I love this so much. And I help her hang it. Um, you know, mask and gloves going into her home. It's always awkward at this time, but uh, it was great because like, you know, I came home smiling, feeling like, you know, I, I've made that impact on that person. And now, you know, paintings aren't cheap, but if I can just really measure that happiness that she feels every single day that she sees it in her living room, like, that painting is cheap or nothing. Mm. And so, so I think about that. I think about, you know, what are the things that make us happy when I really think about, well, how much did that, it cost me to get that? It, it's really, you know, uh, nothing. And so, so anyway, my hope is, is that, you know, from here on out in the future, when people are wearing my clothes or seeing those paintings, they either feel more confident about themselves or they feel, you know, dope about it. <laughs> They're happy wearing it, uh, you know, uh, and, and really happy seeing the painting. That's really just what I love to hear. I just, those are the stories that I just want to hear as an artist. It's cool that, you, that she had that emotional reaction. Then. I mean, yeah. it, it meant something to her because she knew you. That, yes. That helped. Yes. Uh, but what was it about? I don't know if you can share, but what was it about it that created meaning to her? Yeah. Um, well, what she saw and then what I explained to her later was probably more meaningful, but uh, it's a painting called Young Queen. And um, it's just this bright yellow background with these dark lines around uh, a painting that had this young woman. And just on the top of it are these three squiggles that looks like you know, a crown um, just above the person. And, um, but initially when I painted it, I wanted to convey um, a person thinking. I wanted somebody to look at these paintings, slow down and look at, and really think about, well, what is this painting trying to say? And, um, I wanted to kind of just allow people to just see that, hey, here's someone thinking that would trigger them to kind of, again, slow down and think as well. Um, but when I explained this to her, you know, just had this double meaning of like just this queen and she sees herself. Well, I, I see her that way, but we're all queens and kings and all these things, I just want to project that to people. But then like seeing the thoughts just above it, like, oh, you know, but I was the only one who explained it because I don't explain things on my website. But that's what I want to create for people is when they get the painting, they get like a little bit of an explanation from me and what it took me to create that painting because then it's more meaningful for them. Yeah, no, I like that. And it reminds me of the little story where, it was an experiment, I think it was on eBay or something, where they took a, a number of items and then they you know, just stuck them on and see, see what the, the value was that they sold for. And then they told a story about each piece in the second experiment. 
and then they sold for a huge amount more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the point is, is that there is meaning behind mm -hmm. your paintings. You, you, there, it, there is inspiration. Yes. That's yeah. what you're basing it on. Um, I wonder how that will, in the future, uh, develop or give you other ideas about how you tell your story. You've already talked about sharing your visits to the gallery or your, your studio. and So we understand your journey, but actually the meaning behind some of the stuff is, is I think, really interesting. You don't often see that when you see fashion mm -hmm. um, or, or art. You don't, certainly with fashion, you don't really get a story behind it, right? Sure. I wonder whether you'll, you'll Fast start Fast fashion to, is cheap and... Yeah. yeah, but you know, I don't know whether it's. I'm, I'm thinking solutions now, which I shouldn't. But you know, whether it's <laughs> whether it's QR codes on the on the sleeve, or where you can look up the story of this item, yeah. like what's behind it. I don't know. Anyway, well, no, I think I think for me, well, I hope I hope I can create, you know, these paintings that have stories in them because they're more meaningful for people when they know what's behind them. You know, in our world, I could record a video and send it to that person and only that person will have this video mm. you know of me and they get to hear that story you can still do that you know uh when i'm doing thousands of paintings it gets harder but i hope i do have that minute or two to explain to that person uh to that individual on a personal level like what feeling did I have or what memory did I have when I actually created that painting? Mm. I like that. Yeah. That was actually something that we were talking about before you, before you popped in was <clears throat> it's, a, it's around, I guess, the intention or the meaning of, of, of artwork in general, right? And, and I guess from the artist's perspective, you know, I, I think some people are more than happy to share, you know, the meaning and the intention behind it. And, and I think some people are more willing to kind of keep that back and, and allow whoever is experiencing it to just be, have to be content kind of, I guess, with their own, their own meaning that they find in it. Yep. I don't know, but have you, uh, I read this article um, a couple months ago. I can't remember where I got this article from, but it was talking about the statue, the thinker. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Rodin? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. and uh, basically they, they, they talked to a whole bunch of people about whether they thought the statue was, you know, you know, I guess, uh, positive or negative, right? Mm -hmm. What, what is the overlying, you know, message behind, by, behind the statue, the thinker? And, and you had a, like half the people who were very, very positive about it, right? They're like, he's very active in thought. He's, he's, he's very, he, he's probably thinking about how to change the world. And like, it's so left open. Like, what is he thinking about? Is, mm -hmm. is he being proactive in life? Yeah. And you had the other half, you know, who are like, well, this person isn't doing anything. Like they're just sitting there thinking they're, they're, they're sedentary. They're, they're just, you know, and it was so interesting just to think about and how they, how all these various people dissected, you know, even the good and bad of, of a single statue and all these different perspectives, because it was just left open by this guy who was thinking, but you had no idea what he was thinking about. And, you know, yeah, I, I think, um, it, at least the way I approach art is I do want it to open, uh, open it up for interpretation, right? Yeah. Um, I'm creating art that's not totally abstract that you can't like get um, anything out of it other than beautiful colors, mm -hmm. the aesthetic of it, or just the emotion that you feel when you when you look at it. Those are those are great. That's great art, like Mark Rothko or J uh, Jackson Pollock. Those are expressionists painters that 
when you look at it, the objective of the painting is to just get a feeling out of it. Mm. And then you have very literal, you know, uh, the classical photo or portraits where it's like, it's literally King Henry, yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, and it's just the beauty of it. Right. Um, but uh, I really try to create this art that at least they can see themselves in it. You know, who is this woman? Is this woman, what is, is she thinking about something? Is, that, is this woman me? Are those my eyes? Mm -hmm. Are those my lips? Are those my thoughts? Like, that's the kind of art that I, you know, want to create because I think maybe this comes from, you know, the, the, the world I lived in in tech where I wanted to create products where I wanted them to use it. It's a tool. You know, I'm, it's, it, they can interpret however they want to, you know, use that product or tool. Um, I don't want to guide them too much. I want them to explore it. I want them to discover it. Mm. Um, because if I, you know, tell, you know, take it too literally, um, you know, it's, it's, those tools aren't very powerful because they just do one thing. Um, you want to, well, you want to create products that people could really use. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to do with my art is I want these, this art for them to interpret uh, themselves and, and so I I try not to explain too much but um, you know some of it I do yeah I love it hmm. yeah I, I just I keep going back to what's and I well because what it makes me think of is you know um, I think about your, your sweatshirts and I'll go back to you know because those things hit me pretty pretty good right like <laughs> seeing those on your website and I was like you know I, I'm constantly searching for the, the meaning of certain things, right? And I'm like, okay, what does this actually mean? And, you know, I, I was content being, okay, I don't, I don't care. It's whimsical and it's fun, yeah. right? And it's, yeah. and it, uh, you know, a lot of people will probably yeah. wear that, right? And, um, but yeah, it's, I, I, it's interesting because from a, fil uh, from a filmmaker standpoint, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, back in the early 19th century, there was a guy who first started experimenting with montage, right? It was, it was the first instance of montage, which was like, basically what he did is he took this, uh, this shot of an emotionless man and they cut it together with a shot of a young girl in a coffin and then a shot of, uh, you know, a, a, a beautiful woman and then a shot of some food, you know, and he would show these audiences this and this is like the first instance in which that kind of really happened. Right. And, you know, people are walking away saying, you know, when it was cut together with the food, it's like the guy's hungry, <laughs> but, you know, he's just emotionless. Right. Yeah. And he had no thought to it. And mm -hmm. it makes me, you know, that is what popped into my mind when I saw, you know, your sweatshirts. I was like, you know, I might look at the Mona Lisa in one way, but you slap this thing on it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm left thinking like, well, this is fun and whimsical. And but did you have any intention of like what? like any of that means as far as like, well, what, other than, other than a feeling, I guess. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, a lot of this art is so meaningful to people. Yeah. If I put anything on top of it, it could offend them, yeah. you know? So, so I know that that's, there's probably a, a, a small, well, I don't know how big, but a group of people that will probably think that way about my art or think that about my, my clothing, um, but that's not my intention, right? My intention is to create curiosity. Yeah. What does the Mona Lisa's face really look like? Mm. You know, what, what's this Napoleon? What's this swing? The scream. Oh, I remember that. But I can't remember what it really looks like. Like, 
now that you've kind of reminded me, I should look into it and really understand. And like you read these cool. stories of these paintings and they're fascinating. And, uh, and so, so that's my intention. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like, you know, I just don't know how people interpret them and I have to be okay with that. Yeah. I love that though. It, it, that curiosity that leads these people to, to go and maybe look at the Mona Lisa again or the scream and, you know, just be like, Let me, I just want to take a look at that again. Yeah. I have to see what that face looks like. Yeah. No, I, that's really cool though. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I like, I like that. I was going to ask you, um, so I've got a famous saying in my house and, and I, I'm constantly saying when I come across like, a word I either use with the kids, you know, make up, make up words, just fun words. I'm not sure if you guys do that. <laughs> I, I have all sorts of names for certain things. And, but or even if I come across a really great word, yeah. um, and I know that's not less visual really, but, but words quite words can be super powerful. Yeah. Um, I always say, I want that on a hoodie. In fact, the kids will finish off the sentence. Oh, is that going to go <laughs> on a hoodie one day? I don't do it, and I do need to do it. I've got an, I'm going to meet with a screen printer at some point. I know uh, a guy who can help you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Um, and, and, or, or they say, say they're going to go on your gravestone or your hoodie, but that's going a bit, <laughs> a bit far. But um, what would you, well, before I ask another question, what would you put on your hoodie, Josh? What I put on my yeah. hoodie? Yeah. Oh. What, what image or, or word would you put on the hoodie? A cat's face, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. How about, uh, what, what are you, what's the last thing that you would, well, what would you want to put on your hoodie right now? What Gil? would I put on my hoodie yeah. right now? Um, I've been in my shop a lot, and so I've had this, uh, I just love having like paint. So I'm wearing, you know, these pants. These are my mm -hmm. studio pants. And I've got pink and red and blue and white and orange. And I, I just love that because it's just like an evidence of something that, uh, you know, a computer didn't do because mm. it's just humans. <laughs> We're so like in our screens all the time. Mm. And so, yeah, what I would put in my hoodie is something that's like, you know, made by a human. And so, so probably a lot of just paint splatter. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I think um, I'm constantly thinking about. Yeah, bright bright colors are great. But 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 even tell us about a little bit more about what this means. Uh, the swing. Uh, what was your inspiration? Why did you put it there? Yeah. So you know, I uh, as just so you know, Gil Gil oh, is yeah. wearing a hoodie. Yeah. A white hoodie, and I and I've seen a few other ones, but he's it's it's just in the uh, the left corner of the hoodie in a subtle way. It's got beautiful font that just says the swing. Yep. And it says, uh, we're going to tell it. Yeah, tell I'll, tell, I'll tell them. So, so again, like the intention is to kind of create this curiosity. You know, when you're looking at the hoodie, you just see a bunch of letters. And so, first of all, like this isn't like a normal design for a hoodie because it's usually like some graphic or one word or whatever, something funny. But I have this, you know, just, it's just set in Helvetica. And uh, it's the name of the painting. It's the name of the painter and where... It resides at the moment and so the swing uh, is this you know actually a, a tiny painting in between these two big paintings that's a great story it's almost neglected but it's such a beautiful whimsical um, painting of this young woman on a swing throwing her shoes in the air while her boy servants are like trying to catch the shoe or whatever um, but uh, uh, it was um, 
um, painted by uh, Jean Fragonard, and it's in, it's in the Walls Collection in London. And so I wanted, again, to create this curiosity for people and just saying, oh, that's actually a real thing somewhere in the world. And so, uh, and then the paintings in the back. So, you know, I didn't put it on the same side. I wanted to create curiosity in the front and I wanted to create curiosity in the back. So it's just kind of, you know, fun that way. That's cool. I get, I wonder, I'm starting to like solutionize. For you. <laughs> yeah. you really don't need my ideas, but I'm wondering how you could, so it's, 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 it's more about the curiosity of the, of the, the, the customer, right? They, they, they're gonna be curious they might know what it means already, right? And they yeah. and they think to themselves, "Oh, that's cool. I, I really love that painting. Fine." Mm -hmm. But other people make it, people curious. I wonder whether there's whether anyone else is doing kind of um, sharing people's thoughts around the item. So when they visit that piece, yeah, right, is there a way of you know entering themselves <laughs> into a social media drawer or a prize <laughs> drawer or you know like communicating back what they what how they feel when they wear this yeah. these clothes of yours or what what it means to them yeah i don't know like well like, i think yeah. you know sometimes we see art like um we grew up with and when you actually go to the museum and see it you're like oh that's the theme and <laughs> It's funny, I shouldn't tell this story, but you know, I've seen the, when I was a kid in the Philippines, we had this auditorium, um, you know, I was just in just this school. And theirs is like, interestingly enough, like in that one corner, there's like a small poster of the Mona Lisa. And I always would like, would go up there as a kid, just looking at it, I'm like kind of freaked out a little bit about it. Cause it's kind of like, why is this thing? And it was a Catholic school. I'm like, is she a nun? You know, kind of thing. Uh, famous nun in the school or whatever. I didn't know that. And then, you know, later on, I knew it was a Mona Lisa. And then I went to the Louvre, uh, you know, several years ago. And I saw the Mona Lisa and I cried. I just had this emotional, like, oh, here's this thing that I've seen, you know, uh, as a kid growing up, learning about and I'm actually right in front of it. And, and there's hundreds of people around you too. If you've been to that part of the museum, it's just so crowded because everybody wants to see the Mona Lisa. You know, that's what I want people to have is when they, when they, when they see me wearing this or other people see me wearing this, I want them to have an experience and create this curiosity because I hope that when they see the painting, when they go to London, they're like, oh, I've been wearing that for years and I actually got to see the real thing so nice. <laughs> I'll ask you one more is that are there ways of helping them like other touch points along to have that experience yeah that's a good question I probably should do something on my website that would actually you know either link it to the Wikipedia uh, or or like a Google arts and culture link or whatever and, and really have them you know, look into it. That's a great idea. I should do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Were you, so um, <clears throat> what, what's, I guess, when you think about microwave and you think about kind of what you're doing, I'm definitely interested in like, um, does, do your current designs, is it, is it a theme that kind of sticks with the, the brand forever? Is that kind of how you, how you see that um, kind of what you've done so far? 
You see yeah. that continuing or do you like, I guess, you know, the way you might have different, different seasons of style and fashion, right? Yeah. Are you looking at different seasons and styles in, in relationship to kind of your art that you're doing? And, and maybe also, do you see, um, yeah, are you also open to the idea of your, your, your clothing line being in, in, in stores or is it, is it really exclusive and kind of being on your website? And I, I don't know, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what's the future for micro? Well, you know, you guys would understand this, like in product, this is like iteration one, Yeah. you know? Um, and if, if I try to, you know, think too far ahead, mm. I won't give myself that chance to actually evolve. And so, you know, I think just as, just as products evolve, you know, we humans evolve. Um, if you would have asked me a year ago, hey, Gil, you know, you'd be doing like your paintings and your hoodie, I'd be like, what? No, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be in Hawaii and <laughs> I'm going to be taking a break and not doing work or whatever it is. Like, or I'll be like at another startup or whatever. Um, you know, for me, I just want, we, we live in this, this busy world and phones haven't really helped us here. Um, hasn't given us the the quiet time to just really oh what 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 do I really want to do what do I what do I want to spend my time on because there's always you know messages to check emails to reply to or there's always a new Netflix show to watch because all my friends are talking about it or whatever it is I think I've just learned that I just need to shut everything off and like really give myself some some chance to explore. And uh, it's really this luxury. But people can actually still do that. I mean, you can do that, right? You can choose to not watch Netflix for a week or not do these things for a week, just a week, and then turn it into a month and just see, like, well, what... What can I create from that? And I think, um, you know, that's my hope is that I can continue to evolve because I have the space to do it. Now, I need some success <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, right now I'm investing a lot in it, meaning I'm spending a lot of money in it, trying to figure things out. Uh, but... Um, you know, my hope is if I can do this forever, you know, I would. I, I think it's just the way the way I am. Like I, it's like going back. It's like the Benjamin Button. I'm like, I'm go. <laughs> I'm I'm going younger again, uh, doing that. And I'm just glad that honestly, I'm I'm doing this at 44 and not at 65. You know, I think that's the um, that's the luck that I have is. Um, I was able to kind of realize that earlier. Yeah. I like, I, I like that mindset too. I think it's, it's a tough thing to actually, to, to be comfortable living that way. I think, right. I, I'm really, I'm specifically talking more about uh, this idea of, you know, kind of freeing your, your space up to be, to be curious and, 
and to, and to explore, right? Like that's, yeah. that can be a terrifying thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll put my phone down and I won't touch it and I won't watch TV or whatever for, for a week. And I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. But yeah. I'll, I'll figure it out, I guess yeah. I'll, I'll explore. And, and it's, it's, it's definitely like it. Yeah. It's, it's a really valuable thing when you can do it, but I think it's also a really difficult thing to get into and just feel, get into a comfortable space with that uncertainty and that curiosity. And I don't know. I think one trick that you can, yeah. you know, you can do is, um, when you create that space, that runway, and you can see that runway, we just want to make a plan mm-hmm. for the entire runway, <laughs> you know, cause we see that you're like, Oh, by that end, I want to do that. You know, I think the trick here is actually, you know, well, let me just let me just take a single step. Maybe I'll just take out my pencil and my paper and just start looking at some ideas. Maybe I'll just like watch a YouTube video on how to, you know, carve something. I, I don't have to do this thing at the end, right? So when I took my sabbatical and I took this break, like I didn't know I was going to do what I'm doing now months later. Um, because I just wanted to kind of not hurry myself mm. to the end. Even now that I have it, I'm like, well, Gil, what's next? You know, like I'm talking to myself, like, what's a year from now? How much sales do you want to have? Like, how do I scale this thing? Like, when I go to that space in my head, it actually, you know, makes me anxious. It makes me not be creative. It just blocks me because now I'm worried about money. I'm worried about scaling and all these things so i always have to kind of pull things back and saying okay what's the next thing that i should be doing and when even when i'm stuck because i was just stuck during the thanksgiving holidays and i was getting frustrated with myself i'm like i can't think of like a new painting and um so i just took a canvas and started to just like let my brush go and try and figure it out i'm like i don't have a you know an end to this painting but then I'm like, oh, okay. Like things started to connect in my brain. And then like, I don't know, in, in 30 minutes, I was like, oh, I have all these ideas now. I can, I can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely relate to that personally. And I think it's an important thing for, you know, for everybody to hear, I think a message like that. Right. I, I think even if you're talking about product and you're talking about business, I think, you know, entrepreneurs who, you know, people who might be listening to this podcast is that's a really, I think that is really truly an important lesson. And I think, you know, for me, again, we were talking about this about an hour ago, maybe a little bit longer, but I was talking about, you know, we were talking about overthinking things. Yeah. Right. And I, I was relating it back to the way I overthink a story. Sometimes if I'm going to go write a story, right. Like for me, overthinking basically means I'm not content until I know what the end is. And so I know what I'm writing towards. But I also understand that there is another way of writing where it's like, you know, maybe you don't need to know what the end is and just write your, write your first scene, write your first chapter. Right. And, and then who knows what's going to happen, you know, or what you latch onto in that and just keep going and keep going. You might, you might turn in ways that you didn't expect, but that's okay. Yep. Uh, and you, you'll most likely end up at a better ending, at a better spot, probably a more creative ending than you could have ever imagined without, yeah. you know, without actually acting and just trying to imagine what that end is. Anyway, yeah. I, I agree. I think, I think you have to have some idea of where the end is. Yeah. But like, be fifty percent committed to that, yeah. or something like I love that, that, right? Like, I, okay, I think I that's where I kind of want to go, but I don't want to 
plan it too much, then it just restricts everything from here on out. So I have a question for you guys. Mm. So my question is, you know, like you guys are doing swell, you know, how are you guys explaining this to companies that always want something? I want X, Y, and Z at the end. <laughs> but you know that, you know, what you guys are trying to do is really not going to get X, Y, and Z. It might get X, B, and, you know, J or whatever, X or whatever it is. It's just like, hey, how do you, how do you guys, you know, explain that to companies? Yeah, it's a very difficult thing. <laughs> um, what seems to be interesting is, you know, if you think about a lot of the discovery work, right? Like they may think that what they know they want, at least at the very beginning of the stages, but what at least we found when we jump into discovery, you know, maybe they want this type of change and they requires this type of behavior, mm -hmm. right? Which maybe will reveal X metrics. But when we get into discovery and we get into talking with actual people, we realize some deeper things, right? And so what we what we seem to find is it is very hard to articulate where you'll end up, right? And there is a sense of, of, of having to be okay with that. But what we find is that at the moment of, when, when you can make the connection between, okay, we want X, but this is also what our, our employees are saying or, or our yep. target audience is saying. And then what happens is when they see it integrated into a journey. It, they may not know exactly what they get by the end, but what they do see is the value of, of all 10 of these touch points linking, mm -hmm. linking together. And they can believe at least enough in the momentum yep. that it's going to get you to a desirable future. Yep. You know, they, you, you're still a little bit up in the air, but also there's, there's the point of, you, you know, you can say iteration and, mm -hmm. and being flexible and adaptable, yep. you know? Um, so yeah, I guess in, if I, if, I, if I can completely talk about it, I think there's, you know, there was this interesting idea that we explored with a specific client previously that, you know, so imagine, you know, you basically want to revamp your entire culture and uh, they, they discover these specific values within their business, six new values for their company that are going to set them off into uh, a direction, into, the, in a, into a desirable future, right? Yeah new values requires new behaviors, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's very difficult to change your values within yeah. a company. What we explored was this idea of, okay, well, so we get these six values, like, you know, we can build a journey to help encourage the right behaviors to evoke these, these values and encourage the right activities, the rituals, you know, the, the stories to come out to help reinforce those values. Yep. But we explored the idea of a seventh value. And that the idea is that the seventh value is unknown, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you get to the end of the journey, let's say after 12 months or 18 months, you know, there's never really a, a destination to yep. a new company culture. It's all constantly evolving. But what we did is we, we kind of helped that uncertainty by placing this idea that it's the journey in which you will learn. Like mm -hmm. you will attempt to live these, these mm -hmm. six values and as you do, you will probably learn something more deeply about yourself and what you bring to the company, what yep. value you represent within the company. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that then this becomes your seventh value. So we don't know what that seventh value will be. Yeah. It's yet to be defined. That's great. But it will yeah. be defined. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we're trying to figure out. That's, that's the destination. Yeah. If we were to put it on something. And, yeah. And they, they liked it. That's awesome. And, yeah. yeah. That's great. And, and, and that, 
and it also catered that particular thing catered came from discovery yeah because how were people feeling about mm -hmm. losing the you know values from that have existed for 30 years yeah and they didn't feel great some of them um but the seventh value spoke to them <laughs> right because actually you can keep whatever values you want um bring your own values and make that seventh one your own yeah. and don't worry too much about you know yeah. the previous ones that i love that yeah. i love that because it kind of opens up a new possibility yeah you know mm. um it kind of speaks to the people that hey we're we're open to change um you know when i was at plural site we would visit all these companies and transformation was always like a topic right and um for some reason they had this like grand plan for a transformation and um with the capital t yeah. and it had all these metrics and it mm -hmm. you know showed how to get there and you know we'd ask well you know how far along are you in that journey and then they always had like some kind of percentage around it and we're like seven percent of like you know in in three years and they're like we're in trouble yeah and so <laughs> So, 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 you know, we try to, you know, talk about transformation with the cap, uh, with the, with the lowercase T and agile with the lowercase A, um, you know, because we just, we just want people to understand that, you know, we're all humans. We're all trying to figure this th these things out. And if you, you know, program it too much, you know, you're not programming computers. You're, you know, you're you're leading humans and mm. and uh, and organizations that have that type of leadership, that type of uh, you know culture, are usually the ones that um, uh, that are doing well. So, you know, uh, small V for values, small C for culture, small yeah. T for transformation. <laughs> Small A for agile. If you really think about it like that way, then it's like, oh, okay, because it's you know it's capital H for humans. Like kind of right. like I want to just like focus on 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 the people. I also like the this this idea of like stories, right? Like you guys are emphasizing stories. Uh, we're talking about stories right now, but you know even in the things that I read about swell. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's what, that's what gets carried throughout, you know, it's the stories. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think transformation can happen when those stories are being, are heard, but then also being created. Cause I have a lot of stories around, you know, plural site where, um, that, that, that has now kind of solidified some of those values that we have because, you know, those stories lived on. Yeah. Small s. That's really, yeah. <laughs> Small s. I, I tend to capitalize it, but I agree with you. <laughs> no, I love that. And it's cool to hear, you know, hear your, your interpretation, your feedback on it. it yeah. It means a lot. Like, yeah, oh, it's, it, it's cool. We met with, um, not so long ago with, uh, Daryl Rigby who, um, wrote a book called, uh, doing, doing agile, right. But he argues this balance, like the absolute necessity of balance so the companies that go too far mm -hmm. you know, too too bureaucratic too process driven forgetting the fact that the human is the most important aspect of this 
um, or are there companies that go the other way and it's all yeah it's, it's it's all agile and it's no no process but the importance of having both and I think yes. that I think many companies have have got the wrong balance away from mm-hmm. human and away from culture and not because it's difficult to measure as we've just been talking about you know um, getting to a process is so easy like you just watch companies and they always tend to go to processes and policies so you know that's already going to happen and so you have to push the other direction and just really talk about you know humans and people yeah. and i think at the end it balances out you know i'm not advocating for no process we definitely had processes and policies that protects you know mm-hmm. you know the general population but but uh, you know those naturally happen and you know you don't even have to work to mm-hmm. <laughs> have processes and policies happen but the human part is the one that people tend to forget really quickly because the other thing is so easy to do. If yeah. I just type this Google doc out right. and publish it to the company, you know, put posters, it's all going to work. It's like, no, it's not, you know. Yeah. I, I like, well, I like the fact that you linked it to story and the fact that, you know, if you think of experiences that, that we've had and businesses have had where, Okay, they know that the the story's important, so they place the vision, whether it's inspiring or not, you know, the vision statement or the mission statement at the front of a transformation or the front of a project. And as long as they put that in the front of the deck every time they have a meeting, they think that's that's enough Mm -hmm. done for storytelling, like being able to tell the past, the present, and where it's going in the future. But, like, that is a massive area that, if if emphasized... Mm -hmm and focus on enough will carry people through because yeah. they know we're thinking about the human story of why this is happening. Yeah. We don't build processes for process sake. We build processes to make it easier for, for humans. humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's, it's so interesting because I think that's exactly what, you know, stories represent essentially, right? They, they help us understand human experience at all like if they're to do anything i think i think that's a large part of it where we're you know if if you go back like i believe that you know it's our instinct in a sense to try to find meaning in the world mm-hmm. and as a result we, we the things that we find meaning in we we tell stories about and yeah. that's our human experience through that and and you know i think what i'd like to think i guess as far as as, as what swell is is it's yeah it's it's beyond the idea of i guess you know you know, discovering and telling stories, it's, it's, it's building, it's, it, it's, I guess, taking the idea of what a story represents in, in a sense that, you know, we're going from a known to an unknown, mm-hmm. and by the end, we will have ideally transformed, whether it's ourselves or the, our idea about the world or our opinions. And the idea is, is how can you build that as an experience, like experientially, your hero's journey mm-hmm. for an individual, not, yeah. not an organization, but for a singular person where they can mm-hmm. go on their own journey you know, that we, we, we might inspire it. We might yeah. inspire the journey and motivate the journey, mm-hmm. you know, with the idea of what the potential 50% idea of what the destination may be. Yeah. But, you know, how can we help aid that, that the right decisions, you know, as you face conflict yep. that instill those values and you keep, you keep going, you keep yeah. going. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's the truest form of, I guess, I guess, you know, this living through the story experience can be, I guess, yeah. I don't know, but that's. I, I think uh, if I think about it, um, uh, I'm just hanging on to this idea of stories. Like, 
let's say I'm a CEO of a large company and you guys come in and, you know, talk about this thing. If at the end of our consultation or relationship, I have five stories to tell the company around the five values that are probably important, that's probably a lot, like that will last a very, very long time for that CEO rather than, hey, we made you, you know, a 10 foot posters or whatever. Right. Uh, and it's more like, oh, now the CEO actually has stories. I have some stories to tell because, you know, the things that are most important, um, you know, the stories are relevant. Um, the stories are, you know, either historical or are very, very new, but it's something that now I can, you know, I got your help because you guys were able to like, take that story out of the people that we have. Um, but now I can like equate whatever it is, change I'm making with stories that are relevant to folks. And those stories will get told more than reciting, you know, whatever lines that company wants them to yeah. recite. I agree with that. I mean, it's, um, well, you mentioned poster, so po post is not going to change culture. Yeah. Right. Um, but when you take the stories as the found, you know, part, part of the foundation mm -hmm. uh, along a journey. Yes. With other touch points that reinforce those stories. Yes. And you start, you know, um, I suppose measuring some of that, um, some of the, the change behaviors, some of the retelling mm -hmm. of those stories across. Yeah. And, you know, then you start to get somewhere. But yeah. yeah. It's a good question, Gil. Yeah. Any other questions? <laughs> you got us talking about ourselves for like <laughs> 15 minutes, I think. Oh, that's great. Um, I love it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think we, we're edging, edging toward the end of the podcast, but we, we've loved it so far. Thank oh, you for thank you. coming in. I don't know if there's any last questions we've got. No, I, I, yeah, like, how does, how's, how's the, how does the family feel? Are, is your, is, yes. are your kids also getting, like, are they into art as well? Like, are you encouraged, like, yeah, like, What's come on, let's, go to, think about let's this? go to the studio. <laughs> Seriously, has she told you to kind of, yeah. can you just go to work? <laughs> you know, my wife uh, is the daughter of a farmer. Uh, and, you know, my father-in-law was always entrepreneurial. Mm. And so she grew up, you know, not having a dad going to a job um and so he she's very comfortable she's very supportive you know she's a graphic designer so she understands you know this this part um and you know all my kids are artistic in in different ways and um when i can impress my kids with the hoodie design then i'm like i'm winning yeah <laughs> <laughs> when they want to wear it in front of their friends i'm like okay it's pretty cool <laughs> um, but yeah the family the family is really having fun with it and the studio is always open for them uh, you know they get to go in there and they get to see i think my kids have always known that i've loved design and i've loved art but for them to actually see me doing it in the in the studio I think it's something that, um, you know, uh, uh, an experience I'm giving them that they didn't have before because now they're like, oh, you know, a parent can do this. Um, you know, when I start selling my paintings and my hoodies, they're like, what? You sold that many in, you know, in 24 hours? 
Um, and so it's, it's pretty cool because I, you know, eventually I want to teach my kids that, you know, they can carve their own path. They can do whatever they want. And, um, and I just want to inspire them to, to do it and to do it young. Like I'm doing it when I'm 44. I could have done it when I was younger. No regrets there, but, but, uh, you know, they have two supportive parents that are both artists and, and I just, I just want to instill that to the kids. And again, they'll default probably to a job or something, but I always want them to, you know, not forget this part of our lives because it's, it's so important. Uh, mm. You know, I, I, there's so much in my life that I go back to art um, because it's the one that has spoken to me, you know, better than a spreadsheet or whatever it's it's always art anyway when was the when was the earliest time you remember art made an impact on you (laughs) can you remember the picture the image the age um you know uh i had an uncle my dad's brother who was a graphic designer in in new york um and he would send me stuff and so I think he saw early on that I had an inclination to, to art. But uh, I remember drawing He-Man. <laughs> oh my God. I was showing that to Evie on YouTube the other day. She-Ra and yeah, He-Man. Yes. He-Man. I was you just know obsessed. What we're about, I do know He-Man, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was obsessed with that cartoon as a kid, and I would draw like the big muscles or whatever. It's pretty funny. Uh, so that's like my earliest collection a recollection but i was telling my wife my earliest recollection for fashion and like really thinking about that was like i think i was four years old and it was like my first day of school and my parents got me these black leather boots with the zipper on the inside you know and i think probably had heels too (laughs) not high heels but you know just like regular man heels and uh I just remember looking at it and feeling so proud that I had these shiny shoes and I didn't want them to get them dirty and things like that. But, but you know, I, uh, I just loved, you know, I, I love colors. I love putting together colors. I love putting together shapes. And, and so I try to do that with, with clothing. That's fun. That's great. It seems like no matter what you do in the future, Right, long term. I mean, maybe I don't know if there's depending <laughs> on what Nate does or other people. Yeah. Do, you know, I'm sure you've you'll be doing you know other things as well. Uh, yeah. You'll always re- kind of remain true to continuing to create yeah. things, uh, artwork and fashion. Because that's that right. Is com- and I think it's a message for all of our listeners and all of us. We don't have to leave our jobs to do yes. this. Exactly. Uh, whether we meditate do yoga, pray, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. As we get ideas for what we can do that just make ourselves happy. And actually, I think happiness often comes from creativity. You know, just just being creative. Mm -hmm. Um, We should always do something that's creative. Even if you're not naturally a creative, everyone can paint uh, or try. Everyone can sketch. Everyone can even write something on a hoodie or do some artwork. Yes. (laughs) Um, But uh, we'll we'll see. I think uh, I, I probably will won't close this door now that it's been opened. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. Right. Uh, but you know, life is, uh, life is complicated. Um, 
when I hear people, oh, I just wanted to follow my passion, just mm-hmm. did it, and was, I mean, those are few, few people in the world that can do that. But mm-hmm. for most of us, I've had to have a 20-year career to get this chance, right? And for people, you know, it's okay to keep your full-time job and, and do something, you know. But the but to me, like, the 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 biggest lesson for me in this break is to actually remove distractions. And, and everybody can do that. You can remove distractions and just really listen for a long, long time. Just let it be quiet for a long, long time. And then start figuring out, well, what is that thing that I can rekindle? Is it, is it you know, collecting something? Is it building something? Is it painting something? Is it sewing something? Whatever it is, um, we we're just so so busy with everything else and you know the things that are adding to that busyness that are in our power i think that's what i'm advocating to just like hey shut those things out and just like find that space in your life that you can you can do this again love it how do people find out more about you what you're up to how can they follow you how can they buy your buy your clothes buy my clothes that's that's great thank you uh if you go to microwave dash dash wave.com uh, that was also a fun url to to get <laughs> i wanted to be unique and funny and they're like why do you have two dashes well it's the closest I can get to microwave.com. <laughs> uh, but go to that. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, underscore, underscore, micro, underscore, underscore, wave. And um, that's where I show a lot of what I'm doing in the studio, um, what I'm painting at the moment, you know, um, so my clothes and things like that. It's pretty fun. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank Fantastic. you. Thank you. Yeah. That's a wrap. Thanks for hanging out with us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Swell Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast, sign up to our newsletter at theswellpod.com, and get in on the conversation through all major socials at The Swell Pod. We'll see you next time.